0: Welcome to our Evidence-Based Nursing Podcast, and I am thrilled to have Dr. Carolina Weller with us today. I am an Associate Editor with the Evidence-Based Nursing Journal. I'm also with the Faculty of Nursing at the University of Alberta in Edmonton, Canada. And I think, first of all, I'll ask Dr. Weller to introduce herself.
1: Thank you so much, Dorothy. Well, I'm affiliated with the Department of Epidemiology and Preventive Medicine at Monash University in Melbourne, Australia, and my research interest is in venous leg ulcers and compression. Great. Thank you. Welcome.
0: Thank you. Dr. Weller wrote a commentary on a paper titled Compression for Venous Ulcers, a Cochrane Review, which was written by Dr. O'Meara and others. And today we will be discussing that commentary and the original paper. So my first question for Dr. Weller is how did you become interested in the healing of venous leg ulcers? Well I actually had an interest in
1: wound management even as a student nurse many many years ago. It was evident to me when I was on the spinal unit and I was caring for people with some pressure ulcers but My interest in venous leg ulceration started when I started working in a specialty wound clinic at a tertiary teaching hospital here in Victoria. And after several years of working within this specialty wound clinic, I actually got to know the people with underlying chronic venous insufficiency quite well because they would heal, because we had very, very good care, a multidisciplinary team, so they would heal, but they would often come back because their ulcers would recur. And I noticed that many, many of these these folk had difficulty tolerating um, compression bandaging and many in in Victoria, particularly because we don't have a subsidy, would not be able to afford many of the compression bandages. It set me off on a journey several years ago that made me question if there was a better way uh, to care for these people. So I had a little bit of a, a review of my skill base and the resources that I needed in my uh, nursing toolbox to help improve the quality of care for these people with venous leg ulcers because it is a condition that's often underestimated and yet it has such a high impact on their quality of life and uh, health and well-being as well as affecting their significant others.
0: Yeah, I have a background in community nursing so I can tell you I saw many people with reoccurring leg ulcers. It's very challenging. Mm-hmm. So I wondered the commentary that you wrote on O'Meara's review, could you describe for us what you thought were the strengths and limitations of that Cochrane review? Mm, certainly. Well, first
1: of all, I think Susan O'Meara and her co-authors have uh, presented a very comprehensive, updated uh, review, because this is an an update. The strengths were that the studies were within the review were collected according to an a priori selection criteria, which is very, very important from an evidence-based perspective. This particular review included 48 randomized controlled trials, which is quite a good amount. But in this particular review, there were eight new randomized controlled trials that were updated. And in fact, what this equates to is over 4,000 patients included in this review. Remarkably, and it is quite a remarkable feat, I think they reported 59 comparisons of bandages and stockings. And for most of those comparisons, data analysis was based on an aggregated data extracted for each trial report, with one exception, which was the comparison of a four-layer bandaging system and a short-stretch bandaging system. And for that particular study, they actually did have data available to do an individual patient data analysis. Another strength of the review was that it included studies from uh, the United Kingdom, uh, United States, Canada, Europe, and Australia. So it's sort of quite a varied sort of global perspective. I think the second part of your question was the limitations, wasn't it? Okay, yeah. so from my perspective, looking at the review, probably the, the most evident aspect which isn't uncommon in many Cochrane Systematic reviews that are, that are reviewing randomized control trials, and that is that 40% of the included randomized control trials in this review had a sample size of 50 participants or less, which is actually quite small. Uh, 60%, obviously, of the randomized control trials recruited 100 participants or less. Still, not great big numbers. One of the other limitations was that at least three quarters of these included studies didn't actually report on the statistical power or the sample size estimation within the study. And because of the many different compression options that are available, this was sort of further complicated by different application techniques of these different bandages. So some bandages need to be applied in a figure a figure of eight, some bandages may have needed to be applied in a spiral format, uh, perhaps in a 50% overlap. And I'm being technical here, but it's quite an important aspect because one of the limitations that was described is that bandage skill wasn't measured in most of these trials. And as you and I would know, performance or you know healing capacity Capacity of bandages may actually be enhanced due to the skill of the bandage application, or in fact it could be hindered if the bandage isn't applied in the correct way. One further limitation that I would like to just add is that, within some of the studies, there were some laboratory studies that reported on differences in the sub-bandage pressures of the compression bandages that were were reported in the randomised controlled trials. But uh, lab performance sometimes may not reflect clinical application because uh, limbs are dependent. Whereas in a lab setting, perhaps they've got the bandage on a on a leg in an upright position, right up into the ceiling. So those reflections may not actually be the same for people that are walking with that dependent and swollen
0: limb. Right. Very good point. No, I completely agree with you know the importance of how the bandages were applied and the difference between a lab and the home setting, for instance. Because many of them are very elderly and and frail and have difficulty in applying their bandages. Could you share with us your perspective of what were the important findings from this Cochrane Review?
1: Well, there are several. There are several important findings from this review. Probably one of the most important things is that there is some evidence that venous leg ulcers heal more rapidly with compression than without. Unless somebody with a venous leg ulcer actually has some kind of compression on their limb, it's unlikely that they will heal. We also now know that multi-component compression systems, different layers uh, of compression systems are more effective than a single compression system and we also know that these multi-component systems should contain an elastic layer to be more effective because we found that if if it's an inelastic material it's actually not as effective. From a, a single bandage component system perspective, there was actually no difference. It didn't really matter what type of single bandage was used. The comparison with multi-component compression did, didn't detect significant differences between groups, specifically for healing outcomes. One of the things that has been shown is that the comparison between a four-layer bandage and multi-component systems that include the inelastic bandage, like a short-stretch bandage, indicated that healing with the four-layer bandage was actually 1.3 times greater than in the inelastic short-stretch bandage. And that actually is a statistically
0: significant difference. What then are the practice and policy implications of these findings?
1: Well, from a clinician's perspective, I think the importance of applying a multi-component compression bandage, well, that's quite a clear implication, I think. As there are so many different compression systems available, uh, one of the things that I think creates a bit of a problem for nurses is that they can become confused when deciding which is the most appropriate a multi-component compression system for their particular patient and patients vary and their, their leg shape will vary, their, the size of their leg will vary, their adherence to the bandage will vary. Uh, the other practice implication is that skill level of bandage application is variable particularly in the in the community setting where nurses aren't applying bandages and don't have that sort of skill base. And that includes primary healthcare settings with practice nurses. We call them practice nurses in Australia. I'm not quite sure what they're called in other parts of the world, but basically they're the nurses that work with the general or the family physician. The other aspect from a practice implication perspective is that quite often compression stockings are used by nurses in these community-type settings. There's an ease of application, and they don't, they don't have to be confused by these 59 comparisons as outlined in the review. Although, as this review does show, healing outcomes need to be further researched. So we don't have the evidence to, to say that compression hosiery or compression stocking is something that can uh, be used in place of a compression um, multi-component compression bandage simply because best practice usually is that we use the compression hosiery to prevent further uh, venous leg ulcers from occurring once healing has taken place.
0: What other research is needed? Then you've sort of alluded to this, but if you could just specifically say what else is needed to be done. In
1: vivo subbandage pressure studies need to be done prior to all future compression randomised control trials, so that we know as clinicians when we're reading reports of randomised control trials, what is the sub-bandage pressure of these two bandages that are being compared? Because international literature states that the higher the compression, so the tighter the bandage, the better the healing. And in actual fact, that may not be the best way of actually dealing with this problem, simply because the higher the compression, the more likely it is that the patient won't be able to tolerate the tight bandaging on the limb, and therefore compliance might not be as as high. Reporting the level of bandaging skill in each randomised control trial should be perhaps uh, one aspect as well. Also recording patient compression adherence to the bandage so that we can try and find out what are the possible reasons for non-adherence from a patient's perspective. Probably the most important thing, and I don't think it's only in wound care, that this is uh, an issue from a randomised control trial perspective and then from a systematic review perspective, and that is that the methodological quality of future uh, venous leg ulcer randomised control trials could be improved. We could certainly do that by ensuring that we've got an appropriate method of randomisation or perhaps making sure that we're generating a balance, a balanced groups at that baseline level, making sure that we look at sort of allocation concealment so that we're actually clear that you know nobody's been able to sort of put patients into a specific group because they think they'll be doing better in that one. And then also analysing with an intention to treat analysis so that participants who are lost to follow-up should be included as a study failure rather than, you know, guessing should we put them into the study and perhaps showing that uh, our treatment is actually better than it actually is. And then a blinded outcome assessment would certainly improve that quality and, of course, with sufficient power to detect that true treatment effect. And if I could summarise all of that aspect about improving methodological quality by saying that perhaps what we should consider is that the consolidated reporting of clinical trial statement is used as a design tool and not just as a reporting tool when we're reporting randomized control trials because I think that would certainly make things easier for people like Susan O'Meara and her team and others who are doing uh, Cochrane systematic reviews.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, I I completely agree. Yes, I do Cochrane reviews myself and I couldn't agree with you more that um, yeah, the quality of the evidence needs to be there. Yes. If listeners were to take away one key message from this podcast, what would it be?
1: Multi-component compression systems that include an elastic layer are more effective than single-layer compression um, bandages. But I think as nurses, we need to remember to include the the patient in that decision-making process before we apply any kind of bandage because unless the patient keeps that bandage on, the venous leg ulcer won't heal. It doesn't matter what else you put onto that bandage.
0: If you don't compress the limb that venous leg ulcer won't heal. Well said. Good. Well, thank you very much, Dr. Carolina Weller, for sharing with us your expertise and your experience and your knowledge.
1: It was my pleasure. Thank you very much. Anybody that's interested in venous leg ulcers and improving the quality of care for these people, I'm more than happy to help. For more information about this program and other BMJ group podcasts, please visit bmj.com.